Well, years ago, before men, husbands, and fathers were welcomed into labor rooms, four expectant fathers were in a Minnesota hospital waiting while their wives were in labor. The nurse came in and said to the first man, congratulations, you're the father, you're the father of twins. And he said, wow, what a coincidence. I work for the Minnesota Twins. Shortly afterward, another nurse came in and said to the next man, congratulations, you're the father of triplets. He said, wow, that's amazing. I work for the 3M Corporation. A little later, the nurse returned and told the third man his wife had, been, had, been given, had given birth to quadruplets, four babies. Another coincidence, he exclaimed with sense of reserved joy, I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. Right then, the fourth man fainted on the spot. And when he was revived, they said, how are you doing? And he said, not so good. I work for 7-Eleven. <laughs> well, Debbie and I have been blessed with three beautiful children. I heard from each of them this morning. Three biological children. They wrote me notes. They called and, and, and wished me a very special day. And then we've been blessed with hundreds of spiritual children. But today, for the next few moments... I want to talk about the world's number one father, the one who has billions of children, and he loves every one of them unconditionally. See, Jesus talked often to the disciples about his heavenly father, and because Jesus spoke highly of his heavenly father, Jesus' disciples honored the heavenly father as well. In fact, the apostle wrote, and I would invite you to turn to 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1. The Apostle John wrote, How great is the love, 1 John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Satan will do everything possible to convince us that because we're not perfect, because we don't do everything exactly right, because we make mistakes, because sometimes we lose our temper, because sometimes we give in to temptation, because we do something that's not honoring to the Lord, Satan wants to convince us that God doesn't love us. But the fact is, we are his children and he loves us immensely. So for the next few moments, I want to share three qualities of the world's number one father. I want to encourage you to note them so that as you have opportunity, you can share this good news with others with whom you work or in your neighborhood or family. Number one, the world's number one father loves lavishly. God doesn't just love, he loves lavishly. He pours it on. He gives more than we could ever, ever contain. Last week, when our, during our children's church, the children, we asked the children who were there to write a tribute to their dad. 
And throughout this message today, I'm going to include tributes from the children who were present last week who wrote a tribute to their dad as part of this, as part of this message. I asked them to answer this, this statement or finish this statement, what I like most about my dad. Kelly Corbin wrote, I love when he hugs me. Diamond Purdy wrote, he's great. He tucks me in at night. He takes me everywhere. He loves me and I love him. Kaylee Wyatt wrote, I love hugging my dad. And Mason Baldwin wrote, he is smart. <laughs> I love you, daddy. See, God loves each of his children. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 31.3, we read, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Everlasting love. Most of us have known some kind of, of unconditional love, but we've no, none of us know everlasting love except from God, because none of us are everlasting except for him. I love Romans 5.8. I know you do too. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still, what? Sinners. Christ died for us. The fact is that God's love is endless. There is a, there's a limit to the longest river in the world, but there's no limit to God's love. There is a limit to the highest mountain in the world, but there is no limit to to the height of God's love. Even the deepest ocean has a limit, but there is no limit to the depth of God's love. Because God loves us lavishly, he forgives us. He forgives us. It's one of the great, great qualities of God is his forgiveness. I love Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to each other tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Jeremiah 31, 34, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. My favorite, 1 John 1, 9. You've heard me repeat it often from this platform in the last nine months. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? To cleanse us from some of our unrighteousness. For most of our unrighteousness. For 98% of our unrighteousness. Help me, church, from all unrighteousness. I love the story of the father who was driving through town on a rainy afternoon, his six-year-old six daughter, Aspen, was, was sitting next to him in the seat, seat belted in, and after moments of quiet, she spoke up. Daddy, 
I've been thinking of something. The father said, well, what, what, are, what are you thinking? The rain, she said. The rain is like sin. And the windshield wipers are like God wiping our sin away. That's really good, Aspen. And then he continued, the rain keeps coming, doesn't it? What does that tell you? Aspen didn't hesitate at all with her answer. Well, Daddy, what that means is that though we keep on sinning, God just keeps on forgiving us. A powerful lesson from a six-year-old. Now, to be sure, God doesn't want us to keep sinning. 1 John 2 makes that very clear. These things are written that you may not sin. God doesn't want us to sin. But when we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the covering for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the entire world. We keep on sinning, God keeps on forgiving us. He doesn't want us to test his grace. He doesn't want us to sin just so we can receive his grace. But when we do, he is there to forgive. There may be a limit to our human ability to forgive, but there is no limit to God's ability to forgive. Speaking about forgiveness, did you hear about the small boy who approached the guard at the Washington Monument? He said to the guard, I'd like to buy that monument. The guard stooped down and said, how much money do you have, son? He reached into his pocket and pulled out a quarter. And the guard said, that's not enough. And the boy said, I thought you'd say that. So he reached into his pocket and pulled out nine more cents, the sum of all he had. And the guard said, said there are three things I need to tell you. Number one, 34 cents is not enough to buy the Washington Monument. Secondly, the Washington Monument is not for sale. And third, son, if you are an American citizen, the Washington Monument already belongs to you. And there are three things that we could remember about forgiveness. First, we don't have enough money to purchase our forgiveness. Secondly, forgiveness is not for sale. And thirdly, when we accept Christ, we already have forgiveness. It comes as part of the package. It's standard on the, on the vehicle called salvation. It's not an extra. It's not an add-on. It's just there. It's part of receiving Christ, forgiveness. Most of us who grew up in Sunday school learned to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. Little ones and big ones to him belong. He's weak, we're strong. How do I know he loves me? The Bible tells me. I may not always feel loved. Part of that is because of the human condition. Because of the nature of sin and its effect on us. Because of the tempter, the devil, who wants us to believe that God doesn't love us. He comes to a young lady, says to that young teenage lady, God doesn't love you. If he loved you, if he loved you, you'd 
you'd have a lot more friends. If he loved you, you would look differently than you do. He comes to each of us in our own way. God doesn't love you. If he loved you, you'd be making a whole lot more money. If he loved you, things would be a whole lot better for you. The reason things are going badly in your life is because God doesn't love you. And that's a, that is a lie. That is a lie from hell. I just want every one of us today to remember and to rejoice in the fact that God loves every one of us. And he loves lavishly. It's been a long time since I've sung this. And probably for you too. This is very spontaneous. But let's sing it together. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible. So simple, so truthful, so helpful. The number one, the world's number one father loves lavishly. Secondly, the world's number one father teaches tirelessly. See, our father wants us to go in the right path and so he he instructs us he teaches us again when i asked our children last week in in children's church what is the one what is something you like what, this is what i like about my dad brock eater wrote he takes time he takes time to study jbq with me and my sister riley marks wrote he can fix most anything when it's broken. He is nice and caring. He helps me study JBQ, that's Junior Bible Quiz. And, I, and I, like, I like how he loves me. I love you, Daddy. Sophia Marks wrote, he is very strong and very nice. He takes care of me. I like how he studies the Bible with me. Sean Wallace wrote, he encourages, my dad encourages me to do things that are good for me that I don't like to do. He is daring and will tease me nonstop. Logan Schaefer wrote, he, my dad loves me, he takes care of me, he plays games with me. Thank God for dads who spend time with their children teaching them everything from how to throw a ball and catch a ball to how to play fairly and enjoy life, to study the Bible and everything in between. And then Chloe Eater wrote, my dad studies with me for junior Bible quiz. He makes popcorn and watches movies with me. My dad is the best dad in the world. Sorry for the rest of you dads, but you'll... 
We already got the, the best one identified here, okay? According, according to Chloe. And we'll have the rest of them shortly. King David prayed, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Psalm 27, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. And then Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Here is David praying, God, teach me. Teach me what I need to know about life. Teach me what I need to know about relationships. Teach me what I need to know to live the way you want me to live. Now here's God's promise to David. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. If we're willing to be taught, God is willing to teach us. Our Father teaches tirelessly. My Father was a good teacher for me. He taught me how to throw a ball, how to catch a ball how to hit a ball, how to mow the lawn in some semblance of straight lines. The first time I tried it on my own, I was way, way, way off. But Dad came along and patiently, patiently showed me how to place that wheel right, right next to the last cut so that I could, that I could cut, a straight, cut a straight line. He taught me to study the Bible. He taught me to tithe. My dad taught me, in fact, we would, my brother and sister and I would get a dime for our allowance. But we never really got a dime. We always got a nickel and five pennies. Because then dad would show us when we were small, here is your allowance. You can do anything you want with this is yours. The first penny belongs to the Lord for, for the tithe. The second penny we give to missions. And then the other eights are yours to do with whatever you like. And my dad taught me to tithe and to give in that way as a young boy. So that when I had a paper route and I, had, and I came home from a day of collections and had $28 after paying for the papers, and I knew that $2.80 belonged to the Lord. And though it's not in the Bible, Dad always encouraged me to round it up to the nearest dollar, and so I would give three dollars. My dad taught me that. My dad taught me, my dad taught me the virtue of honesty in a very practical way. He, I remember the time that we were driving from, uh, on vacation. We, we had very few vacations as a family. Just didn't have a lot of extra resources. We take a little time, and we lived in the eastern part of Pennsylvania. So occasionally we go to to Hershey Park, and we we go through the Hershey factory and watch the chocolate being made, and we'd spend a day or two at maybe there, or go over to Gettysburg for a day or two. But on this particular time, we were going all the way to Florida to see Grandma, and we were so excited, and we got in the the car, and Mom and Dad in the front seat, and 
and uh, my sister and brother laying down on the back seat and the floor and and for whatever reason I I I, I slept on over the uh, over the back seat underneath the back uh, underneath the back window these were before the days of uh, car seats for sure if we'd had an accident I would not be here today I would be in heaven for sure we were driving through, it was the middle of the night, we had gone all day and night, and now we were somewhere in Florida. And I felt the car stop and turn around, and it awakened me, and so I, I, I woke up and said, Dad, what's happened? I, we were turning around, it was dark, there weren't many people around, and, and he said, well, he said, we're going back into town. I said, well, why are we going into, we're not, we're not at Grandma's yet, are we? He said, no, but he said, it's a bit foggy, and we're in a new area, and I don't know this area. And because of the fog, I accidentally went through a stop sign. And I realized that as I was already into the intersection, so I'm going back to town to find the police station so I can pay the fine for running through the stop sign. I said, Dad, there are no policemen around. And you didn't get pulled over by a police. He said, I know I didn't, but I broke the law. And so I need to pay the fine. Now that made zero sense to me. So he turned around, he went into town, somehow without the, the, the blessing of a, of a cell phone or a GPS, he found, he found the, the, the police station, right? Marilyn and Jim were still sleeping, mom was still sleeping, but I thought, I'm not going to miss this. I have no idea what dad's going to do, but I'm going to, I was 12 years old. I said, I'm not going to miss this. And so I followed dad into this tiny little police station. There was one man on duty. I think his name was Barney. I'm not sure. Maybe. His head was down on the desk and he was sound asleep. We woke, we moved, we walked in. He didn't even wake up until dad tapped him on the shoulder. And he woke up and he rubbed his eyes and he said, you said, well, what's happening? And dad said, well, we're, 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 from, we're from Pennsylvania. We're, we're coming through on vacation. And a few miles down the road, I accidentally ran through the stop sign. And I, I'm here to pay the fine. And my dad reached into his pocket and, 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 and was, was fingering through some doll. I know didn't ha dad didn't have a lot. He made very little money. The most money dad ever made as a pastor was $12,000 in a year, and that was many, many years after that. I know he didn't have a lot. Dad was reaching for, the doll, for, for, for some money, and the gentleman was stunned. Barney didn't know what to say. He said, well, we can't charge you. We can't fine you when we didn't see it. And, and Dad said, but I, I need to pay. And finally, the, general, the, the, the policeman talked my dad into the fact, you don't have to pay anything. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for acknowledging it. I'm sure, I'm sure that my fellow never had any other experience like that in all of his life. And neither did I. As I grew up, I always remember the value and the importance of honesty. Not because of a sermon dad preached on honesty. 
Not because he sat down and said to Jim, Marilyn, and me, you need to be honest. But because in a real life situation, he was 100% honest. My dad taught me. And the thing about, have you noticed the things about the lessons your parents have taught you? They stick with you even when they're gone. Remember that? How many of you from time to time will, will, will do something or think of something? You say, oh, that's, yeah, you remember that from your, your mom or your dad. They taught you that. So fast forward many, many years later. We are on a family vacation. Now this is a bit embarrassing for me, but I share it as, a, as, a, as an example of, of the power of our parents' teaching. So we, are not, we, we aren't driving through the night all the way because we didn't have money for a hotel. We are in Hawaii as a family for a family vacation. God had provided the resources, and Debbie and I and our three children were there and just enjoying the time. We rented a car, and it was the very last day. And I was, I was in a parking spot, and I, instead of putting the car in forward, I accidentally had it in reverse, and I backed up and I hit the, uh, the parking meter, just ever so slightly, but I put a, a quarter-sized dent in the, in the um, what's that called in the back? Bumper, right? The bumper. Sometimes I forget big words. In the bumper of, uh, of the car. I was just, oh man, I'd never done that to, but I kn I'd never done that to a rental car, but I knew that rental cars are real particular, and if you, if you don't have their insurance and everything, they can really stick it to you. I thought, oh, man, the last day, we didn't need this. So I concocted a plan. Okay. I took, when we took the car in to have it, to, to take it in, and, you know, you, have the, you, you, you pull into the, the place, and then you, they walk around the car to make sure it looks right. Well, I strategically placed myself standing right in front of that little bump, that little dent in the bumper. And I thought, wow, this is a great plan because they're never, ever going to see this. And as he's walking around the car, I remembered that night in Florida. It came back to me like that. Dad walking into the police station, turning himself in for running, accidentally running through a stop sign. And so I stepped away from the car, and as he was coming around, I said, sir, I just need you to see this. this I hit a, a, a pole, and I, I made a dent in your bumper. I said, now, it's really, really small. You can see that, and I'm sure it won't cost a lot, but I just wanted you to know that, right? And so, of course, I had to fill out an accident report form, and uh, I was expecting the worst. But a few days later, I got a note from them saying, got your report. It's such a small deal. We'll take care of it. No charge. Okay. But at that point, it wasn't about the money. If they had charged $500 or $1,000 to fix the bumper, that wasn't the issue. The issue was that I passed the honesty test at the very last second. Okay. Okay. See, the fact is, all of us, whether we are a pastor or not a pastor, whether no matter who we are, all of us struggle with things in life. Sometimes the things we've learned from our parents or from others can help us through. And that's why I love the fact that God is a really good teacher.
I'm wondering what it is that he wants to be teaching us right now. What lesson is it that he's trying to teach us that we're having a difficult time learning? Is it trust? He wants us to, he's teaching us to trust him. How are we doing? He, some of us, he's teaching us patience. How are we doing on that lesson? For others of us, he's teaching us to be joyful no matter what the circumstances. So how are we doing on that one? Our father, the world's number one father, is a tireless teacher. Would you join me today in asking our father to help us to be good students, to learn the lessons well. And then finally, the world's number one father gives generously, gives generously. Mason Schaefer wrote, when I asked, what do you like about your father? He wrote, he is funny. He is the best dad in the world. Ah, Chloe's dad has some competition now. Denise Mackey wrote, he is silly sometimes. Just to give our, gift, our children the gift of laughter and fun. Anthony Lehman wrote, he loves me, my daddy loves me and plays with me. Kira Wyatt wrote, he gives me piggyback rides. Caitlin Corbin, a true female, writes, he takes me to stores. <laughs> All right, Caitlin starting out just the right way. He takes me to stores and restaurants. Elias Steger wrote, he looks out for me and cares for me. Angela Pepra writes of her father, he is nice and loves me and cares for me. Riley Baldwin wrote, sometimes he reads me to sleep. I love you, Daddy. And then she drew a big heart on hers. Madison Lupica wrote, I like it when he plays with me. David Mackey wrote, he plays baseball and football with me and watches me play Batman. <laughs> Jesse Wallace wrote, he's fun. I like my dad because he takes me on bike rides and he's strong. I used to love it when my, when my son was small and I'd make a muscle and he'd think I was so strong. You know, I was probably the weakest man in the whole church. But to my, to my, my son, I was strong. And then Ethan Steger writes, he plays video games with me. He helps me clean the garage. Cleaning the garage is a lot of work, you know. <laughs> I love that. How old's Ethan? Five, and you've got him cleaning the garage. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of work, you know, but my dad sometimes helps me clean the garage. All right. And yeah, that's great. And Sam, maybe you could teach the rest of us dads how to get our kids to, how many like to get some lessons on how to get your kids to clean the garage, huh? All right. 
Talk to Sam. He is start, he'll have lessons starting this week at $20 an hour. <laughs> our Father. See, our children see these qualities. I didn't ask them what to write down, but they wrote down things related to their father's love, their father's teaching, and their father's generosity. Generosity with time and with humor and with fun and with, with all sorts of things. See, our Heavenly Father gives generously. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6, Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God, God enjoys giving us material blessings. But more than that, he enjoys giving us spiritual blessings. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I, I want us to remember that promise. It's Ephesians 1.3. Ephesians 1.3. God has blessed us. He isn't intending to bless us. He has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Satan wants us to believe that God is withholding blessing from us, but that is not the case. The scriptures declare emphatically and truthfully that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then, of course, I love James 1.17 Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. God has blessed us. God is so, he's so generous. Okay. One of my friends, young pastor friends, who's in his 20s the other day, was telling, talking about God. He said, God is so stinking generous. Well, that's hard for me being 60 years old to say that because it doesn't seem right, stinking generous. But I guess in this generation, that, that God is stinking generous. <laughs> Sorry, God, if that offends you. Just remember, it, was, it wasn't me. This is my friend who said that. God is so, so generous. A few years ago, some of you read about this. Some, someone broke into the home of Anne Graham Lotz the daughter of evangelist Billy Graham and his wife Ruth. The robbers took everything of value in the home, including mementos of her father. And Anne was left with a deep sense of fear and instability. The night after the break-in, Anne Graham Lotz lie awake on her bed contemplating all that had happened in the previous 24 hours contemplating her fears and then she remembered the promise of scripture 1 Peter 1 4 we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay and thieves. We have a perfect inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. 
See, somebody could, they can steal our car, they can steal our jewelry, they could, they could, they could take anything from us. But we have an inheritance that is reserved in heaven that is beyond the reach of thievery. It's beyond the reach of change. It will never, ever rust. It will never, ever be destroyed. It is a spiritual inheritance. We call it salvation. We call it eternal life. We call it a relationship with a loving God forever. We have an inheritance. Would you join me in giving God a clap offering of praise? That God has generously given us everything we need for life and godliness. And if you're here today and you have not received Jesus Christ as the, as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, I want to encourage you today to do so. Because in doing so, you, you become part of the family of God and you become an heir to this great gift of salvation and eternal life. So although the burglars had taken everything of material value, in that moment Anne realized that she still had an inheritance in heaven that could never be taken away. So while laying in bed, she counted her blessings A to Z. And remembered that she was accepted by God, beloved by God, chosen by God, delivered by God, enlightened by God, forgiven by God. She remembered that she had the grace of God, hope for the future, inheritance in heaven, justification through Jesus, knowledge of God, love of God, mercy of God, nearness to God, oneness with God, the peace of God, and the quickening of the Spirit. She reminded herself as she was going A to Z that she was R, redeemed through Christ's death on the cross, sealed with the Holy Spirit, treasured by God, united with other believers in Christ, and V, validated as an authentic child of God. She finished by rejoicing in the wisdom of God and that one day she would be exalted with him. Until then, she had a heartfelt yearning for the things of God and a zeal for the coming of his kingdom here on earth. What a wonderful way to count our blessings. What a wonderful way to counteract the ever encroaching feelings of discouragement and despondency that sometimes we feel. When life isn't going real well, when the challenges of life seem, seem bigger than ever, and when our problems seem bigger than our prayers, God is there. He is generous. And he doesn't give to us stingily. He gives us as much as we're willing to receive. What a generous, generous God. God not only gives us all of these things, not, all, not only does he give us grace and, and hope and mercy and forgiveness and enlightenment and, but he gives us himself his presence 
said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Some of you who watch Sports Center may have seen this clip about 22 years ago. It happened during the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Derek Redman, a, a world-class runner who was favored to win the gold in the 400 that year. A rare thing for an English, an English 400. He was, he, was, he was on track. He had had the best time in the world to that point. And in the semi-final heat as he was running, he felt a fiery pain in his, the back of his leg and he realized immediately he had pulled a hamstring. Crumpled to the, he crumpled to the ground in excruciating pain. And then, to the surprise of everyone, he got up on his feet, stayed in his lane, and basically hopped on one foot toward the finish line. As he was getting closer to the finish line and the crowd realized what was happening, many, began, many stood and began to cheer. And then... Then something happened that surprised all of them for a big man, a strong man, who was, who was wearing a hat that said, just do it, broke through, broke through the security and ran out to, onto the track. It was Derek's father, Jim. And he went to his son and he said, you don't have to finish this race. You don't have to do this. And Derek said, yes, I do. He said, then we're going to do it together. And he put his arm around his son, and his son put his arm around his dad, and in moments even buried his head in his dad's shoulder because of the pain. And together, the two of them crossed the finish line. What a powerful picture of God's presence in our lives. That's our Father. That's our Father. That's your father, Megan and Tony. That's your father, Chris. That's your father. That's your father, Ron, Grace and Joe, Mike, Lester and Vicky. It's your father. It's our father. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We never want to come up lame. We never want to, we never want to falter, but the fact is sometimes we do. We always want to be there first or near the front at the finish line, but we're not always there. Sometimes we're far behind as others see us. We have a Heavenly Father who loves us and cheers for us when we're at our best. And yet we have a Heavenly Father who sees us when we're at our worst. And He loves us just the same. That's the amazing thing about God's love. He doesn't just love us. He just doesn't love us when, when we're doing everything just right. When we're, when we're breaking the tape in the race, when we're, when we're doing all... No, he, he loves us when we fall. And he's right there. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never, ever 
I'll never ever forsake you, Ron. I'll never ever, Roger. I'll never forsake you either, even to the end of the world. So I want to join me this morning in praising God that he loves lavishly, that he teaches tirelessly, and he gives generously. And then I want to ask us four questions. And I'd like each of us to, um, to answer them. What is one blessing for which you are particularly thankful today? Would you, would you just give that a thought for a moment? What is one blessing? And once you've thought of that, would you just give God thanks for that right now? Secondly, what lesson has God been trying to teach you that has been difficult for you to learn? Is there anybody else in this room besides me who, who, who has a time learning, sometimes learning some of the lessons of the God wants to teach us? So what's that lesson? Would you join me in asking God to help us to learn that lesson? Maybe it's a lesson about being patient or trusting him. I don't know what it might be. If you're a father today, I'd like you to ask, answer, what's one of your strengths? What's something you do well? Every one of us has the ability to do certain things well. And then fourth, in what area of fathering could you improve? How many fathers could think of an area in which we could, you could improve? Is there anybody besides me? Say, I'd raise, me, raise your hand. I could, there's an area I could improve on? Yeah. So, Father, whoever said no, they really need the improvement. Okay. So, Lord, I thank you. Would you stand with me as we, as we, just, as we conclude and Grace and the team join me? So, Father, I thank you and praise you that you love us so so very very much and I thank you that you love lavishly that you are anything but stingy when it comes to your love and I thank you that you teach tirelessly even when we don't get the lessons the first time you don't give up on us you keep teaching us until we learn them I thank you not only that Lord but you give generously and I thank you, Lord, for every man in this room. And I thank you for the strength that every man has, for the strengths that each one possesses. Everyone from the, from the teenagers through the oldest man here in this world, in this room, every one of us has certain things we do well. And for those, we thank you. And Lord, we pray for those of us who have things we need to work on, some challenges that we're facing some things that, that we're not, that we need to improve on. Would you help us, Lord, to really allow your Holy Spirit to help us to, to win in those areas? We thank you. Lord, for all of us, men and women, we thank you that we have a Heavenly Father that's much, much bigger, much, much stronger, much, much more compassionate than Derek Redmond's father, Jim. I thank you, Lord, for the demonstration of what Jim did 
walking with his son to the finish line. And I thank you, Lord, that's a perfect picture of how you come alongside us. And we give you thanks and we praise you.